what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue on and uh, with this lesson here in just a moment, but um, we looked at several, several, several <laughs> weeks ago in a Sunday school, um, when I taught Sunday school, and we started looking at fruit, the fruits of the Spirit. I'm just going to give you a quick reminder, because I know if you're like me, you don't remember. Uh, not that you didn't listen, but uh, I know we all got a lot of things on our minds. But I'll just kind of go through, I'm going to, I did already touch on, and I'm not going to go in, in detail on each of these, but I did touch already on love, joy, and peace. I'll go through those in just a moment, um, what they are, and, but I'm going to continue on that thought. One of the things that I'm seeing, um, and that matter of fact, I just got a phone call from a friend this past week, and, and you hear this all the time. You hear, walk in the Spirit, right? That's what he said to me. You hear this in church, walk in the Spirit. But he says, Brother Steve, what does walk in the Spirit really mean? Can you break that down for me? And, and it's really walking in the Spirit, as I began to think about it, as he asked me that question, is really just being in tune and listening. Uh, see, it's one thing, and I've said this many times, it's easy to hear, but it's a whole different thing to listen. So it's listening through the Spirit of God, that voice, that still calm voice that he speaks, and it's that hearing it, but then it's obeying it. And that's where we, you know where the conflict comes? This flesh. Because we're still in this flesh. And it's a battle. And it's a battle that we got to deal with. And, uh, and so I, as I begin to think about that, walking in the Spirit, if we walk in the Spirit, it says, if we walk in the Spirit, that's obeying, listening to the Spirit of God, walking with the Spirit of God, reading the Word of God, getting strengthened, doing these things, then it says we won't fulfill, and here it is, the lust of the flesh. I don't know about you, every since, you think about this, every since you were a small child, you were taught to give your flesh what it wants. For instance, you got to eat. My mom, you had to eat. You had to eat something because you're not going to have strength, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many of you had parents like that, but my mom was like, you got to eat something, all that. And so you're taught to eat. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, so don't misunderstand me. But even from your youth, you're taught flesh, 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 do this, do this, do what you want. And many people battle this. They battle this. They battle it in their Christian life. So I'm going to go through these. I don't have all these, the love, joy up here, um, but I'm just going to give them to you. Love, obviously, is the willing. By the way, what I'm giving you here is what... Uh, we use on Friday nights for Reformers Unanimous. Uh, these are the fruits of the Spirit. Normally we have the little, uh, little, whatever those things are called, little stands with a, and it has the fruits of the Spirit. But love is the willing, is willingly sacrificial, sacrificial giving of oneself for the benefit of others without thought of return. And that's what love is. And then the opposite of that would be self-love. And that is um, willingly or unwilling giving of oneself to others with selfish thoughts of return. return of. And then we proceed on and, and look at joy. Joy is a cheerful, calm delight, rejoicing in every circumstance. Um, and then uh, we see the opposite of joy is frustration and complaining. Uh, we've all been around people who complain. Uh, unfortunately, it's not a good thing. 
And so we see that, and then we looked at peace. And peace is to be safe from harm in your spirit, mind, and body. And the scripture says in Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So we look at peace, how you have peace in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, your body there. And then the opposite of that is worry. And uh, we understand what that is. So I'm going to continue on and looking at these fruits. By the way, what is the purpose of this fruit? The purpose of fruit, and God wants us to bear fruit in our lives, and the purpose is this, is that others can see Christ in us. That's the whole purpose. Because you and I, you can do your best to try to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit, but you can't. You can't do it. I can't do it. The whole purpose is to magnify and exalt and lift up Christ and allow Him to be evident in our lives. So as we look at this, we see the next fruit here is long-suffering. If I can just put it in a, just a simple thought here, here it is. It's an enduring temperament that expresses itself, look at that, in patience with the shortcomings of others. Patience. Uh, you hear this all the time. Patience is a virtue. Patience is something that is not easy in our lives. And uh, what this is talking about is as talking about the temperaments. Every one of us in this room has a different temperament. We have different, like for instance, I'll use Merrick here since he's here. I can pick on him here and he's be gone shortly. But he's pretty laid back. He's pretty quiet, right? Until we heard from Dr. Crabb that this guy likes to talk. Remember? Remember Dr. Crabb when he did his uh, internship with him? And, and see, a lot of times you don't see all that, but that, we all have different temp temperaments. We're different people, and we have different things that, matter of fact, I remember when Merrick, we were playing, they were playing flag football, and there was a little, flag football brings out competition. And I remember, boy, I'd never seen him get spirited. Is that a good word? All right. I never seen him get so spirited, but and nothing that is wrong. But I'm saying we're all different, and what takes place with this long suffering is it's patience with others, is with their shortcomings. Um, it could be also people who do things to you. You could bear injuries or provocation for a long time, and being not to be easily provoked. I have three older brothers. But my one older brother, the middle brother, that is between the three there, he was an agitator, irritator. And he knew how to push my buttons to provoke me. Okay? He did. Uh, and you know what? You're going to experience people in this life that does the same thing to you. You're going to experience that. And God doesn't want our, you ready? He doesn't want our flesh to, to take control. Let's see what the, well, let me, I'm going to go through this real quick. Here's where the flesh does. I'll go back to those verses in a moment. The flesh gets angry. It's a lack of patience. And here it is, quick-tempered. That's what the flesh does. So when that agitation would become, rah, I begin to get mad, begin to get angry. It's the irritability that negatively excites our passions, our desires. It gets us excited. To be extremely agitated, it stems from a negative thought, desire, or emotion. And so we see here, what controls our heart will control us. So we've got to be careful. The opposite of this long-suffering is quick 
temperedness. It's getting angry at circumstances, letting your flesh. Now, I would love to stand here and tell you that I am got this one down, but I do not. And I will be tested and tested and tested until I begin to pass this one. By the way, don't look at me like that. You too. Because you know when the patients come? When that slow driver gets in front of you. And you're in a hurry. Right? You're going to be tested. You know what you do? Stupid people want to get off the road. See the quick temper? They shouldn't have their license. Right? Don't we do that? Oh, me? All right, I'm going to go back. I want you to see something about this long-suffering here. I want you to see this is 2 Thessalonians 1.4, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God, look at this, for your patience, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Patience is endurance. It's being able to continue to endure even though the circumstances are not good, even though they're not the way you want them to be. That's what patience is. And that's what long-suffering is, ultimately. It's being able to endure in a circumstance. And by the way, you think about it, we deal with people. Now, if you're like me, this is how I am. If there's a problem, bam, I want to get it taken care of. Let's get it fixed. Let's move on. But do you know what that shows? Impatience. <laughs> it does. It shows impatience. And I'm not saying, by the way, it takes time for us to overcome our sin. Would you agree with me? It takes time. Sometimes, sometimes people immediately, God gives them grace, and they, bam, they get victory. But sometimes people struggle for years and years. And we, by the way, we'll see this here. Strengthen with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Colossians 1.11 there. And so we see this, and I'm, I don't have a scripture up here, I don't think, but I got it on my paper here. Think about the Lord. Think for how many times he was long-suffering or patient with you. Listen to this. This is Psalms 86.15. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, and here it is, long-suffering. Boy, the terminology that I use, in, for, um, especially in, in the jails, sometimes I'm a knucklehead. It takes me a little longer to get it. And I'm so glad that God's patient with me. You think about it. How many times do you do the same thing over and over? May God help us with this. All right. I'm not ready to move on to gentleness yet. But we'll, we're getting there. As we're looking at this um, fruit and then of the Spirit, long-suffering, but I want us to continue on to look a little bit more of this being quick-tempered. This quick-tempered. Um, if you've got your Bibles, and I don't have this up on here, but 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Second Corinthians chapter number 4. Like hearing those pages turn. And we'll start reading verse number 3. And I'm going to read several verses down through here. But looking at this quick temperedness and the effects of it and what takes place um, in our lives from it, and I'm trying to get my pages here. 
Here's, here's what the scripture says, starting in verse number 3. For if our gospel be head, it is head to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, For we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is the purpose? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What is that? That's the Spirit of God. That's walking in the Spirit. The opposite of that is walking in the flesh. Now, it goes on in verse number 8, For we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. For we are perplexed, but not in, uh, not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And look at verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. That our lives might manifest, that be evident of Jesus Christ in us. I heard a preacher, or I've read it, I don't remember where, I, but it was, it was a quote, and this is what he said. He says, when, when I'm on the throne, Jesus is on the cross. But when Jesus is on the throne, I'm on the cross. That's deep. I want you to get that. When Jesus is on the throne, then I'm on the cross. But when I'm on the throne, Jesus is on the cross. You say, I'm on the cross. What's that mean? I'm crucifying my flesh. I'm saying, God, you're number one. I want you to have ultimate control of my life. Hey, what you want me to get rid of? That flesh, that quick temperness, that self-love, whatever it is, Lord, here it is. I give it to you, take it, and enable me to get victory over that. And that's, that's what he wants. That's what he wants. But what does this do? What is this quick temperness? What does it do? What does it bring forth? There's several things, and uh, I'm just going to give you some of them. First of all, it comes from unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations will cause quick temper or irritability toward others. Because here it is. You might have an, a, a boss that says, all right, from this time to this time, this is the amount you should get done. And then this person, everybody has different expectations. And maybe that person has never done this job before. And this is their first time. But their expectation is they start here and they should be clear to here. Sometimes there's unrealistic expectations, not only in goals that we have life. For instance, my wife, she has unrealistic expectations many times. And here's what I mean by it, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to undig my hole here, okay? Uh, she'll say, this is what I want to do today. Da -da 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 -da. I'm like, are you working to 12 midnight tonight? How are you going to get all that? There's no way humanly possible. And then what do we do? We get frustrated with ourselves because we couldn't accomplish what we thought we should. Let me tell you something. It makes us agitate, and you'll get frustrated and aggravated at your own self. Why didn't I do that? It's an unrealistic. 
man, be careful of that. And by the way, we have unrealistic expectations of people as well. We do. The way somebody does something, we already got in our minds how that should be done. For instance, for instance, and I'm, I'll be careful what I say here. Um, well, I was sick and the pastor didn't come see me. He should have. My other pastor did. And I'm not saying pastors shouldn't come visit, shouldn't go see the sick. Don't misunderstand me. But you, there's expectations that they have of what you, that person or that pastor should do. And, and you know what? You can be, develop an attitude towards that pastor and get angry at him. He wasn't there when I needed him. Matter of fact, I, had, I just had this, I had an inmate, and um, I went in, I maybe told you all this, but I went in, and man, he began to just cuss me out. So where were you? You weren't here when I needed you. I said, I'm sorry, sir, I'm only one man. There's 670 uh, inmates. I just can't, I can't reach them all. I'm sorry. You, are, you should have. You weren't there for me. You know what? He had expectations of me. And you know what? It made him mad. And he used words on me I didn't like. <laughs> but praise the Lord, he did apologize later. So, uh, but anyway, but I'm telling you, that will hurt you. That will hurt you. Um, some, if the devil fails to influence us to react in self-love, frustration, worry towards other people, or circumstances or pursuing pressure, now get this, if he can't get it, if he can't do it to you, then listen to this, he'll work on others that they can influence us away from the fruit of the Spirit long-suffering. If he can't get you to do it, he'll work in somebody else so they'll do it to you. And there's that frustration, there's that aggravation, the irritation. Um, we all have expectations. Be careful. What else with this sin of quick-tipperness? The sin of quick-tipperness, here it is, and I read you the scripture just a moment, it hinders our light. It hinders it. By the way, every one of us in here that know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're light. Not because of us, but we're light because of Him. And His light, and by the way, when we're quick-tempered, what that does is that puts a uh, covering, if I can say it, over the light so it's not as effective. How many times have you heard this? Oh, I ain't going to church. Too many hypocrites there. Well, you know what? In some essence, it's true. Right? Because if... If we're walking in our flesh quick-tempered, then our light's head, and they're not seeing Christ in us. They're just seeing our dirty, scallywagon, scumbucket flesh. <laughs> all right? Those in RU know that, all right? Um, they see that. They see our flesh. They see it. What else from this? And I'm, I'm just going to wrap it, go through these, but I'll continue on what we're looking at. The sin of quick temperness causes unrealistic expectation. And then also, here's the next thing, a critical spirit. A, a critical spirit. And I, as I was doing this, and as I was going through this, meditating, just thinking about this, I think about Psalm 1, and where it talks about not seated in the seat of the scornful. Boy, it's real easy to sit down and get comfortable and start criticizing Oh, Brother Tom, man, you know what? He doesn't lead music like Brother Jim does. Well, you know what? 
He shouldn't because he's not Brother Jim. And Brother Jim's not Brother Tom, right? But you know what? People can get all over that thing. They can get all over it. And we, we just got to realize, hey, don't be critical. He is who he is, and he is who he is. He loves snippets, all right? Long snippets. Uh, snippets are not really snippets. I don't know what we'll call them, but that, anyway. But you know, that's, you know, that's people, and we just got to accept them. But don't, don't jump on that critical spirit, that quick temperness. Boy, they love to just jump on that and begin to criticize. I said already, and I won't repeat, but it, it dims our light. It, it affects our failure to witness. You know, I had a guy in the facility this week, and um, trying to tread lightly how to communicate this without giving too much information. Um, I never heard anybody, I'll just say it, all right? I never heard anybody in, in my 15 years, I never heard him say, this guy said he has a sex addiction. I never heard that. I'm not saying people don't, so don't misunderstand me. But he said that's his issue. And uh, obviously, that's why he's incarcerated, all right? Um, and then he said this, I tried to witness to that guy, and he won't listen to me. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? When your light's dim, it affects your testimony. And they'll say, well, you're in here for this, and you're doing this, and you're still doing this and this and this. Why do I want what you have? Because obviously it's not working for you. It'll affect our witness. By the way, when we're walking in our flesh, we won't want a witness. We won't want a witness. Why? Because we're probably ashamed and should be. Continue on. What else will this do to us? This quick temperedness? It'll make an ineffective testimony. And I began to, as I thought about ineffective testimony, but I thought about Lot. Lot was a saved man, but he had no influence or testimony with his own family. I mean, you think about that. Why? Because of who and how he lived and what he did. Let's not have that ineffective testimony. And then also, with this quick temperament, it causes pride of accomplishment. Boy, what that transpires, what the flesh does is like, look what all I did. And boy, the pride kicks in. Boy, the devil loves it. He loves you. He wants you to jump in on that pride. But the opposite of that is the long-suffering. That is where you're a servant. The other, the, that's where you have a fruitful testimony. That's where you have boldness to witness. That's where you have a bright light. That's where you have a godly spirit. And that's where you have godly expectations. And so, long-suffering is having or showing patience in spite of trouble especially those caused by others. So we're going to move on to the next one here. And uh, which is gentleness. Gentleness. So we looked at long-suffering, so now we're moving on to gentleness. Gentleness is the softness in manners. It says here in the Scriptures in 1 Thessalonians 2.7, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. 
It's that being gentle. Um, one of the things that is hard, especially with men, is, is to be gentle but yet not be feminine, right? Not be too wishy-washy. And so one of the things that God has done for me, and he's taught me this, and I'm thankful he's taught me this. For instance, I, I go into a classroom. And so when I go in that classroom, I got men. By the way, those men who come to my classroom, my Bible study, they don't have to come. They have a choice. They can lay in their pod. They can lay, lay in their bunk and sleep the whole time. But those who want to, they can come in. I've had this repeatedly. Now, I'm a pretty easy, laid-back person. And I like to give people lots of chances. Okay? That's just who I am by nature. I don't, and so when they come in there and they start talking, they'll, two guys will just start talking back and forth. Now, i got a decision to make. Am I going to let them continue to talk and mess with the whole group, or am I going to deal with this? But the question is, how do you deal with it without stirring up a hornet's nest? So what God has given me, and which I'm thankful for, is, and this is the way I've been handling it, and God's, God's been blessing it. And I'll say, men, I love you being here. I appreciate you being here, but I can't have you talking. If you want to talk, you can go out there. You're, you're more than welcome. You can leave and go out there and talk. I want you here. I want you to be in here. I want you to get this, but I can't have you doing this. You see that? that that's gentleness. Not that I'm great at this. I'm not the poster boy child, you know, poster child for this. No way. But I'm so thankful that God's teaching me this. By the way, God will teach you how you can do these fruits, how you can bear these fruits, how you can apply these fruits to your life. And by the way, um, as my wife has said to me many times, treat people like you want them to treat you. You know what that is? It's going to be gentle. Being gentle. The scripture says here in 2 Corinthians 10.1, it says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness, and look at this, and the gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But he had the gentleness of Christ. It's kind of the same type of thing. Hey, I want you here. I want you to get this, but you're not going to do this. I'm in control. I'm not, not that I'm in control, but I want the Spirit to control me. So we see this. Now, what is the opposite of this gentleness? Well, obviously, it's harshness or roughness in manners, temper, or words. It's that harshness. And that's not hard to understand. You folks understand and get this, that, uh, boy, it's easy just to, when someone says something, somebody ever say something to you smart I say smart mouth, but smart, kind of smart aleck. And then you, if you're not careful, you reply in the same way. Yeah. And it comes across harsh, because it is. <laughs> um, you know, things and the people we are around can affect our manners and mannerisms. And we're to be exalting Christ and showing Christ in our lives, not... Uh, in the opposite direction. So the harshness, be careful. Uh, roughness in manners, uh, the temper in the words. All right. And I'm going to continue on. I don't have all this right here, but I'm going to go on to goodness. 
goodness, and we'll, we'll stop on here in goodness. Goodness is this. It is conforming our life and conversation, so it's our life and conversation to behave with love toward others. So in simple terminology, it is this, conforming our life to Christ and behaving like him. Um, it says in the scriptures in Romans 2, 4, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. Boy, God's goodness to us. And by the way, if God's been good to us and he has, then we're to give that goodness to others. Uh, I just got news this week, um, and I, I, I'll just be careful what I say, but I got news this week, someone that, that uh, was close to me, someone who was, uh, was incarcerated, got out, and they fell back into sin, and they're back in the facility. And uh, I went to go see that person, and I went to go see that person, and they were very ashamed, very humbled. But you know what? I told that person, I said, look, I do not want to kick you when you're down. I want to show God's goodness. I want to show God's mercy to you. Not that you deserve it, not that I deserve it, because that's what Christ does for us. But you know, that flesh, that flesh wants to always strive and it wants to jump in and do things that are contrary to the Spirit of God. I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures and then I'll give you the alternative and we'll close down here. Um, in Ephesians 5, 9, it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness. So God wants this, this fruit in our lives. All goodness and righteousness and truth. So what is the opposite of goodness? Well, it's meanness. I remember when Bryson, Branson probably remembers this, but I remember when Bryson was probably about four or five, every time you told him no, he would say, you're mean. <laughs> you're mean. That's what he'd say to you know, his mother. Say, no, you, you can't have that. Can't. You're mean. That was the, the words out of his, his mouth. You're mean. But you know what? Meanness is not just in a four-year-old. Meanness is in adults as well. And we see it. You see it out in the world. What is meanness? Well, meanness is refusing to show love and thus afford, uh, um, avoiding any personal expense. Meanness is saying, hey, I don't care. I don't have time for you. Wow. That's just the contrary of what Christ wants for us, how he wants us to respond. And here it is, church. Where we're at, this goodness, this gentleness, this long-suffering, it's our choice. You can either walk in the Spirit and allow God to begin to manifest these things in your life, or you can continue to walk in your spirit or your flesh. And I, as I was coming here, I was reading, and I'm going to close in this, Romans chapter number 7. Listen here, in verse, I'm going to read you a few verses in closing. Verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. 
verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And then it goes on, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that I do. Boy, I don't know about you, but the life and the battle of the flesh and the spirit every day. Every day. And boy, you say, man, I don't want to do that. And next thing you know, you've done something that you didn't want to do. Why? Because you're yielding to the flesh. May we not yield to that flesh, but may we yield to the Spirit of God and bear fruit that others can see Christ in us. All right. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll go over our prayer list, have a time of prayer together. Father, I thank you for just a few moments and the simple thoughts. Lord, thank you for this fruit. I'm thankful that it's a fruit that anyone, uh, you allow anyone to begin to bear this. But the key is allowing your spirit to have control over our flesh. It's crucifying that flesh. It goes against our flesh. The Lord, it sure will help us as Christians that our light can shine brighter. Would you help us in these last days that our light would shine brighter and brighter? Would you be with our pastor, Miss Kathy? Would you continue to bless them with safety? And Lord, would you give them rest and just restore them and just continue to help and refresh them? Lord, I pray for Pastor Chris and, and uh, Heather and their family. Lord, I pray for healing upon their bodies and as they're going through this COVID. And Lord, I know there's many more. Think about Jerry Cox. Lift him up to you and may your will be done in his life. God, would you just continue to uh, bless, work in our hearts. May we not, again, yield to our flesh. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.